0: Scrambles left, winds up, he's got time at the
1: 10 to the 5, yes. to the end zone, touchdown, and a dagger! Giannis into
0: the lane, Giannis spinning, fading shot,
1: up, God for Giannis at
0: the buzzer! Bucks win it!
1: fans, welcome to the Brewer's Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy. The podcast for not only them diehard baseball fans, but also for those fans who enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. I'm Tyler, a.k.a. T. Plush, your host for the show and can be found on Twitter at Tyler Kurth. I am joined, as always, with my good buddy, Trevor Sunshine Bender, who can be found on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. And, of course, make sure you are following the podcast on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod, where we post a lot about the Bucks, Brewers, and Packers. So make sure you're checking out those podcasts as well for the... uh, Both seasons are really... In full swing-ish. I mean, Bucks are just starting. Uh, preseason was underway. They have a few games under the belt, and the Packers are obviously um, approaching the halfway point. So, lots of good stuff going on there. Before I get to our agenda today, let's just check in with Sunshine over there. How are you doing?
0: Oh, I am just peachy. Um. <laughs> Still I think riding high on that Packers win and getting excited about Bucks basketball and really looking forward to see what those two teams can do the rest of the year so I'm I'm pretty good right now.
1: Awesome that is good news. So our plan for today is we're going to kind of dive into some free agents that will be available on the market. So now these are unrestricted free agents. There are no club or mutual options with these guys. Um, And then we're not touching on any players who may have club options with their teams um, because it doesn't. Makes sense to spend my time researching those to speculate if they're gonna the clubs gonna pick them up or not. Um, so we will just cover uh, those major players that become available as that timing goes on. The second half of this podcast, we will be starting our off-season prospect part of the segment, and how it's going to work is today we're going to break down prospects thirty and twenty-nine, which is Clayton Andrews and Bobby Wall. We'll try and give you a little background information on them, uh, give you a summary of what they've all done in the minors so far, and then we'll try and give you our own little analysis of things we see or uh, highlights they accomplished this off or this during the season, any big milestones, things like that. Some sort of random information that you can take away from it. But we will work through about two or three prospects uh, per podcast for the next, oh, throughout most of the winter. (laughs) Um, So you can look for those uh, prospect pods to come out uh, at least once per week, maybe twice per week if there's something slow going on. But as, as you know, we will cover breaking news as it happens. So... First, let's back up to free agents. Trevor, do you want to start with the pitchers or the uh, shortstops first? Because those are the two areas of needs we identified on the last pod.
0: Let's start shortstops because I feel like that conversation is a little bit more dull and boring considering what's on the unrestricted market. (laughs)
1: Uh, yeah, there is four guys on the unrestricted market who actually played baseball last year at the major league level. Do any of them catch your eye at all?
0: (laughs) I mean, DG Gregorius, kind of, but I don't, I don't really know if I want him. I mean, 238 batting average, 16 home runs, 61 RBIs and a 717 OPS. None of those are really eye popping statistics but compared to the rest of the list, the home run and RBIs are pretty gaudy. You go down the list, you have a little bit better batting average with Jordy Mercer, he's got 271. Jose Iglesias has 288 batting average, so maybe those are guys that they could look into. Um, Iglesias is 30, so maybe that's just a guy that's gonna get on base. He had 11 home runs last year, and he had the most hits of anyone, so I'm assuming he played the most games. So maybe that's a guy that they look to, but none of them sound overly exciting for me anyways.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're right. And you look at their salary from last year, D.D. Gregorius made 11.7 mil. Obviously that's in New York where they just flow out that, like, pocket change to players. (laughs) Um, Jordy Mercer, playing for Detroit, made 5.25 mil. Jose Iglesias made 2.5 mil. And then Andy Hachavaria um, from Atlanta made 1 mil. Um, So, yeah, as you mentioned, Jose Iglesias really only played played the most amount of games uh, for Cincinnati, 11 homers, 59 RBIs. Jordy Mercer with Detroit last year. We're familiar with seeing him in Pittsburgh, so that's kind of strange. But, you know, we were looking through this list, and Trevor's like, wow, this looks like a list full of guys who are just past their prime. (laughs) And, yeah, you might be right there. But for me, I would take two guys out of this list, and that's Jordy Mercer and Jose Iglesias. I don't think that's right. That's like the comedian, right, Iglesias? (laughs) I I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation. But it'd be one of those two guys who I would be okay with the Brewers giving a shot just because you're going to get them for most likely under 4 mil. I'm assuming Mercer isn't going to make 5 mil next year. Any offense is going to be better than what Orlando Arcia put out there um, depending on what the Brewers decide to do with him. yeah, do you got any other uh, thoughts there on shortstop?
0: Yeah, number one option is Iglesias, unless we go and get LCD's Escobar because he's on the list. Yeah,
1: I saw that return him back to <laughs> Milwaukee. <laughs> he didn't play last year at all, though, I don't believe. Yeah,
0: I'll, I'll pass.
1: <laughs> and even like looking through the second baseman markets, like there isn't anyone out there who I really think you could – Maybe convert to um, shortstop. Estrubal Cabrera for the from the Nationals, eh, maybe back in the day, but he's going to be 34, 35 next year. He's better off suited at second base. Logan Forsythe from the Rangers, Yeah, I wouldn't see him as a shortstop. Eric Sogard could return, but nerd power. Yeah, the nerd power. I mean, he did play some shortstop, but, uh For a full season, I don't know. (laughs) He's
0: 34. Oh, my
1: God. I know. The glasses take off 10 years with him. It's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, really, shortstop is a tough market for now unless uh, any good guys who have club options uh, end up getting declined by their teams. But for now, yeah. Orlando well, RC is looking like a good
0: option to stay. <laughs> so I went back and looked at club options. The only player available for shortstops is Freddie Galvis with club options. He would be
1: nice. I wanted him at the trade deadline.
0: Elvis Andrews is the only one with a player option, so there's not many options in general.
1: And I couldn't see him leaving Texas, though. So.
0: Yeah, that would kind of be shocking. Um, starting pitching... There is quite a few older individuals on this list, such as Rich Hill, C.C. Sabathia, Cole Hamels is 36, so I think I'm going to take all those players and throw them out. I just think it's it's a little old to be gambling on them in free agency, in my opinion, unless you can get them for a really small contract. Um, So I'm looking at this, I am looking at people that are still fairly young, and This first one, I would love to have, but I don't think the Brewers can afford him. But I'm going to say it anyways because it would be amazing. And it would put probably Brandon Woodruff as the best number two in the league. And that is Garrett Cole. That would be absolutely amazing. (laughs) Obviously, this is probably not going to happen, but he's 29. Wherever he goes, he's probably going to get 30-plus mil. Um, that's what Spot Track has his market value at, so I wouldn't be surprised at all there. But he pitched over 200 innings last year, 2.5 ERA, 20 wins. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. If David Stearns could pull some black magic shit and get him, that would be amazing.
1: Uh, yeah, that would. He'd be on top of my like reach list, like at least money wise for the Brewers. <laughs> I was watching him pitch in the postseason the other day. Wow, it was just even more impressive. <laughs> he is by far, I think, going to be the highest paid free agent, uh, at least starting pitcher-wise, this off season. As long as we're talking about reaches, I might as well throw a reach out there too, somebody who I don't think <laughs> the Brewers can afford, but will be available. And that's going to be Zach Wheeler. I mean, somebody has to bring him up. He's going to be a free agent from the Mets and ended uh, with a 3.96 ERA this year in 195 innings. He's obviously been tossed around in trade talks for the past, you know, how many years in a row linked to the Brewers. SpotTrack has his market value at $23 million. <laughs> Yeah, I could easily see the New York Mets and their plentiful amount of cash giving him even more than that because they can, so I don't think... The Brewers stand a chance at getting him, but before somebody else brought him up, I thought I would.
0: So my next one, and I talked, we talked about this in last week's episode. I just, I think Jordan Lyles should be one that they strongly consider. Um, so I'm not gonna use that as a player. I just really think the Brewers still need to do that. Um, so my next actual person that's not a Brewer currently is getting a division rival pitcher who seems to whoop our ass all the time, and that's Michael Waka. Obviously from the Cardinals, not great numbers this past year, but he did pitch 126 innings or so, 4.76 ERA, did have six wins. I, I just feel like it was a down year for him, and I feel like he could be a valuable piece to our rotation, but I guess we'll see where he goes and if he's able to bounce back a little bit because I do feel like that's kind of a not a very good season that he put together this past year but I do think it's someone that the Brewers should be interested in if you look back kind of at even his career stats his career ERA is under a four and he had a four seven six throughout this season 2018 his ERA was a three two the year before that was a 4.13. Um, then he had kind of a blow-up year in 2016, but 2015, 3.38. 2014, 3.2. 2013, 2.78. So he's had two years that are kind of out of the ordinary, so hopefully it comes back down to where he has been. So that's one player that I'm thinking would be a nice addition if the Brewers can, one, afford him and then get him to Milwaukee and pull him away from the Cardinals.
1: It wouldn't be the first time the Brewers drew somebody from the Cardinals. I mean, think back to Kyle Loesch. That was from the Cardinals. We still met Garza from the Cubs, even though that didn't really pan out.
0: (laughs) I got uh, Kyle Loesch sitting on my shelf right now staring at me. (laughs) I loved having him. (laughs) Bobblehead of Kyle Loesch.
1: Another person I think, and this one actually might be attainable, is Brett Anderson. He pitched for the A's this year in a bounce-back year. 2018, he only pitched 80 innings. This year, he pitched 176, which was the most innings he pitched since 2015, back all the way to his days with the Dodgers. He's not a big strikeout pitcher. In fact, he only struck out 90 batters on the whole year. But he pitches a contact, uh, limits the walks, and, I mean, he's a 10-year pro. He, he knows what he's doing. I think he would fit in well with this scheme of I just need to get my team to the fifth or sixth inning and be comfortable handing the ball over, which seems like some something uh, he could do at uh, this point in his
0: career. Another guy that I look at for starting pitching, which I am going to absolutely butcher his name, his last name anyways, Jake Tyler, do you know this? Can you help me? Odorizzi?
1: Uh, That was beautiful.
0: Yep. (laughs) So last year he was making 9.5 mil, pitched 159 innings, 3.5 ERA, got 15 wins for the Twins. So he's 30 right now. So I still feel like he's got some years left in him. So his career ERA is a 3.8 and again, 3.5 for the 2019 season. He had 178 strikeouts in those 159 innings. Whip of 1.208. So some pretty good numbers for him this last season. He has kind of bounced around a little bit in terms of his ERA, but nothing super outstanding, but nothing super terrible for him. He kind of bounces between if you get rid of his highest and lowest, he bounces between a 4.5 and about a 3.5. So that is pretty consistent and a player that I feel could be very helpful in, like Tyler said, just being able, going out there, being able to throw five, six innings, maybe occasionally he could give you a seventh and just kind of letting the bullpen go to work and give them a chance to save the game and give your offense a chance um, rather than giving up a bunch of runs it doesn't really seem like that's something he does a ton of so that is something that I am really looking forward to and his 10.1 strikeout per nine in 2019 is is one of those reasons Um, I'm super excited about him And throughout his career, he has an 8.6 strikeout per nine. So he's a pretty high strikeout pitcher, um, especially for a starting pitcher. So that's really exciting.
1: I guess I'm going to steal another pitcher uh, from the A's for my next candidate here. Um, Actually, this will be my last one. um, And that is Homer Bailey. So you think back to all his times with the Reds, all the times the Brewers have seen him. He's gone over 200 innings uh, two times in his career. Kind of got derailed with injuries 2015, 2016, heck, even a part of 2017. Uh, but the last two years, uh, he's put up 106 innings, and then th- this year, 163 innings. So, really kind of bouncing back, working his way back up, and he still has it. He's still averaging 8.2 strikeouts per nine this year. So, he still has that swing and miss stuff. I mean, his ERA may not reflect it with a uh, 4.57 ERA on the year, but for a guy who starts 31 games, I mean, you know he's going to be durable, knock on wood, uh, coming out there next year. And I mean, it's the swing and miss. That's what the game's all about these days. So the more guys you can get who do that could benefit your ball club. And I think you should be able to get him at a relatively cheaper price tag. Um, so kind of a low risk, high reward signing if the Brewers decide to go that way. Any other pitchers you want to mention at all,
0: Trevor? Yeah, so I have one more. And this one, I'm going to tell you his... 2019 stats and you're gonna be like why the hell would you want him he had a 5.8 era only won one game was paid 9.6 million this past year spot track has a market value on him at 19 million that's probably because he's fairly young he's 29 but he was dealing with some back issues this past year It caused him to only be able to pitch in seven games. For Cincinnati, he had 35 innings pitched the whole year. So I'm just going to kind of toss this 2019 season out just because he was injured and he didn't get out there a lot. So if you look back the past three years, so 2018, he had a 3.68 ERA, 2017, 2.72, and 2016, 3.73. So Those are all very good numbers. And then you look back even further, they continue to be pretty damn well um, throughout his time in the majors. And in 2017, he was an all star that year and he led the league in win percentage. He was 16 and 3, which is an 84% win percentage, which is crazy. But I just think because he's young, He's another pitcher that has pretty decent stuff, 8.2 strikeouts per nine in his seven-year career. So he's been up in the majors for since 2013. And if you think about that, he's 29, and he's got seven years in the league. He's been up there a while. He's really got like a ton of experience for how young he is. So I just feel like that's someone that could really make an impact and if like I said if you throw out this past year where he was injured and only got seven starts he's had a damn good career and I, I would be someone I would love to see come to Milwaukee
1: it, to have that dominant of a left-handed pitcher would be incredible and it'd be what first dominant lefty since CeCe Sabathia <laughs> um, I mean in all honesty I would say that's, so. That yeah. was 11 years ago already, 12 if you count the start of next season. So I, I, I can't argue with that. Um, but price tag on that might be a little steep, but who knows? Uh, David Stearns could definitely work some magic.
0: Hey, it's it's cheaper than Garrett Cole.
1: <laughs> well, that's pretty much anyone. <laughs> All right, we are going to transition into our prospects segment next. Um, So first, we are going to focus on the 30th prospect in the Brewers organization. Again, I did not make this list. This is on the Brewers website, so don't criticize me for putting Clayton Andrews as number 30. He is actually kind of experimenting as being a two-way player. He's primarily a left-handed pitcher and an occasional outfielder. He was drafted in 2018. He was a 17th round pick, and the funny thing about him is I think he actually may be smaller than Jose Altuve. He's 5'6", 160 pounds, he will be 23 years old to start next season, so he is just a little guy, Uh, but Trevor is going to tell us a little bit about his stats.
0: Yeah, so 2018, um, he was assigned to the Timber Rattlers after draft day, um, where he pitched 27 innings. Had 42 strikeouts uh, with a 1.33 ERA. Uh, if you don't know, that's pretty damn amazing for his first year in professional baseball. 2019, he went up to Carolina for advanced A ball um, or high A and looks like he was a closer. And then he went up to Biloxi, which is double A for relief pitching. And in 2019, the season ERA of 3.19. He had 77 strikeouts in 59 innings. And you're probably wondering, he's got to have an electric fastball if he's got this many strikeouts through two seasons. Nope, he doesn't. He throws his fastball at 90 miles an hour. Um, He's got a change to counteract that at 78. Slider at 79. And... 2019 he's struggled a little bit more with walks he's had 25 in those 59 total innings um, despite having again that big strikeout rate so it's kind of a double-edged sword with him at this point in his young career Um, gets a lot of strikeouts but also is walking a lot and being a more of a finesse pitcher because that's what he has to be with a 90 mile an hour fastball I feel like he's got to be painting the corners and that's going to lead to a lot of strikeouts and swing and misses but it's also probably going to lead lead to missing off the plate and getting a lot of balls that way so outside of the high strikeout totals he hasn't really shown a trend of being either a ground ball or fly ball pitcher it's pretty much balanced for the most part but has done a very good job of limiting the home run ball and as you know in Miller Park that is a damn good thing to be able to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it definitely is, especially the way the ball flies during the summer months. Um, So I want to back up to, he's five, six, and I watched a YouTube video, um, kind of looking over his form and whatnot, and I'm by no means a pitching coach at all. But some things I picked up on was, he has a delivery that's very similar to Brent Suter. Kind of, I was He works, like when he's working out of the stretch, he does that little step would be his right foot because he's a lefty, kind of rocks sideways, um, and then he kind of turns his body a little bit and bends at the hips, kind of some weird stuff going on there, and then he just works really fast. So that was kind of my comparison there. Um, But it's interesting to think about the fact he is a little bit shorter of a guy. Curious to what that looks like for batters. I mean, that 90 mile per hour fastball, does it look like it's rising? Does that add some velocity to the naked eye on it? I'm not sure how much his uh, slider or change, if there's a lot of break on him, because... None of his pitches have been tracked um, throughout at least the online systems that I was looking at yet. But then looking at a side view of his pitching, kind of looked like he was wasn't following through. I'm gonna reference uh, like Max Scherzer here. When we watch him pitch, like when he follows through, he's his arm is like pretty much going up to his opposite shoulder blade. He's following through so hard, and it looked like he was just kind of stopping it a little short. So I'm not sure if that was a command thing or if that's just my poor baseball. I telling me that I think I see something when I don't because I'm not a pitching coach, but I thought that was kind of interesting. And then, as we mentioned, his experimenting as a two-way player, he just started that this year. He only got 63 at-bats, um, ended with a 333 average, um, so 21 hits. Did have five RBIs and six walks I mean the only discouraging part is yeah he only had two extra base hits so a double and a triple no home runs but oftentimes with these minor league players they like to say like the old traditional way was you have to get 500 600 at bats till we know what kind of hitter you are and if we want to call you up um, obviously I think that trend's being debunked now with younger players getting called up but 63 at-bats is not enough to make an impression on what kind of hitter he may be. So that'll be interesting to watch in 2020. Moving on to prospect number 29, we have Bobby Wall. He was the player who tore his ACL in that freak accident this spring training after we acquired him in January during the Keon Broxton trade. He was drafted in the fifth round in 2013, and obviously that means due to his injury he hasn't thrown a pitch in the brewer's system yet so uh all these minor league and major league stats trevor is going to tell us about have came from other teams and other farm systems
0: if we look at him and this was someone and i believe it was last this past week's um episode we talked about him being a part of the bullpen and I was looking at this list when Tyler put it together and I'm like, is that the same Bobby Wall that we're talking about being contributing at the major league level? And yes, it is. It's um, the same player. And it's kind of interesting, and Tyler and I talked about this before, that I really hope Craig Council was right, that he wanted him to be a part of the major league club in the bullpen and not the prospect or whoever did this prospect list. That he's the 29th prospect in our system, and I know prospects different than like actual how good they are, um, like right now. But I just that kind of scares me having him this though on the list if he's actually going to be up in the club in the major league club next year or whenever he is able to. So, just an interesting side note that I had about him, but his major league stats. Are not great. Um, he's pitched 13 innings, allowed 10 runs, which gives him a 6.92 ERA. Again, not great there. But going to his minor league stats, which are pretty good, um, he's got a 3.52 ERA in 221 innings. He's got 292 strikeouts in those innings. And his batting average against in his career in the minors is pretty damn good, a 2.19. So, if he's able to get somewhat close to that that's pretty damn good um in the majors and something that you cannot be upset about Um, a little fun fact about bobby wall was he had to have surgery for thoracic outlet syndrome in 2017 so your anatomy lesson for the day basically what that is is a disorder that causes a group of blood vessels or nerves in the space between your collarbone and your first rib to be compressed, causing pain in the shoulders, neck, and then also numbness in your fingers. So as a pitcher, you can imagine how that can be pretty tough um, to deal with. So he had to have surgery to relieve that. And that surgery um, involves basically what they're doing is they have to take part of his Rib out to relieve that, those blood vessels and nerves, and all of that. So he was low key just back doing full weeks work, workouts a week later after having that surgery to fix that issue with him. So, Tyler, why don't you kind of take the rest of Bobby Wall away here?
1: Yeah, that guy sounds like a trooper. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> Um, A little bit about his pitch repertoire. He is a high-velocity guy. His fastball reaches 95 consistently, and then he mixes in a slider with that as well. He does have a curve and a changeup in the repertoire. He just doesn't tend to throw those very often. It's primarily fastball slider. Fastball is said to have a rising action to it, and his slider actually moves more downward than uh, horizontally, Um, so it really kind of drops off the table. So that's a good combination to have, especially if you're locating that fastball high up in the zone like many high-velocity pitchers do. My pitching analysis of him, I didn't pick up on a whole lot. I can say with certain confidence, I'm pretty sure he works out of the stretch only, not out of the windup. Um, But other than that, that's all we really have on Bobby Wall. So, look for next week we'll recap a couple more prospects and then we'll keep doing that each week so if there's anyone on the prospect list that any of you listeners want us to dive into that may not be on there let us know we will certainly do that for you Otherwise, we will just uh, keep potting when some breaking news comes out. In the meantime, make sure you're following the Pod Trilogy underscore Pod at Twitter and checking out uh, the Packers and Brewer, or Packers and Bucks, and on Wisconsin.
0: Go Brewers!